Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Well, on this episode, we're going to talk about Black homeschooling. And I know you all have been wanting me to talk about this topic. I've had other episodes where people had wrote to me and said, you know, I wish you would have talked about Black homeschooling. I want to do it. I know someone who's who's doing it. I am doing it and I don't think I'm doing it well. I need some feedback. I need some help. And with that, I started reaching out to people. So the first thing I want you all to know that this is episode one of this topic. There will be future episodes to dive into this topic deeply, because just like we know that black people aren't a monolith, what homeschooling looks like is not a monolithic experience and everyone approaches this from a different way. So tonight I have two guests here who are going to tell us about their experience with homeschooling. So I have Lavonda Porter here. She's a homeschool parent. And I have Natasha Ane, um, who is a homeschool wellness consultant. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's dive right into it. How did you all get involved with homeschooling and get on this path? You want to go ahead? <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> I'll dive in. Um, so my path was actually, um, it was a, a, it was kind of stumbled upon, I would say. Um, so my oldest at the time of the um, pandemic was in preschool. And um, before, prior to going to preschool, I used to frequent the library. I used to take her to the library a lot. And um, I can remember one time, I particularly, I took her to the library and I met a young lady who was a former school teacher, but she was also a stay-at-home mom. And, you know, we kept in contact and, you know, we would always talk and discuss things. And she just, um, you know, shared with me that she was planning to homeschool her children, you know, once they became school age. And so I just brushed it off like that is not, <laughs> I am not planning to do that. So as they turn three, they're going to school. Um, and so that was my plan. So once my daughter turned three, I have three children. She's the oldest. So once she turned three, I enrolled her in preschool and she was there and um, doing, you know, very well. Then, like I said, the pandemic hit. Once the pandemic hit and the children had to move to virtual learning, um, it really took me for um, just a big loop. And I just thought like, wow, I don't know how long this pandemic is going to happen. Um, I still had two um, sons that were younger that were coming up, you know, behind her. Um, and I just knew that I could not fathom her nor their education being um, attached to screens all day. And so my mind started um, opening up to the idea of homeschooling. And um, I just really, just really evolved, um, you know, with the whole idea. And I, I just embraced it. And um, we are finishing up our third year now. And so I'm really glad I did. My two youngest um, children, they're both boys. Um, they've never you know, been in a formal traditional classroom. Um, and it's just been an absolutely uh, wonderful experience. We learned something, I learned something new about their learning styles every year. Um, and it's constantly, it's an evolving um, 
journey for us, but it has been an act, an, an exceptional one, and one that I'm glad that I came around to, and 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 I and that I embraced. Well, for us, uh, my son is 17 now. We started uh, when he was in fourth grade, so he's a senior getting ready to graduate. And um, initially it was in third grade when I began to think about homeschooling. Um, it was literally, I remember that far ago, that long ago in December, he brought home a D and an F paper and it was like a writing paper. And he was on the honor roll. I was an active volunteering you know, parent where we think we're so involved <laughs> until we start homeschooling. But uh, yeah, so I was one of those parents. And so um, I began to inquire, you know, what, what's going on. I didn't see this transition into writing in third grade. And so that was around the time that Common Core was in the process of being implemented. And so the teacher was being pulled out a lot. And, you know, her attention was, you know, just like a normal classroom was, you know, pulled different ways. But on top of that, with the different um, trainings and things and priorities of the testing. So I began to volunteer even more. And then uh, when I went in the classroom, I was actually helping those who had more needs, who had, you know, that the teacher couldn't address. And so I was going in the hallway, taking students out. And then it hit me. Um, well, well I'll, I'll add this is that I also thought maybe my son had dyslexia. Um, he was still reversing um, letters um, in, you know, halfway through third grade. And he wasn't doing he wasn't scoring high um, as high as I knew he was intelligent on the standardized test. So he was on the honor roll, but not doing great on tests. And so those are the things that um, made me look in that direction. And so when I began to talk to the teacher about tier two, um, implementing different things classroom-wide that may help different students, I realized that if I'm spending this much time and dedication and I'm helping all these other students, I could just bring him home and work with him. And of course, ladies, you probably know, it's easier said than done. Um, so it took me until that summer to get the courage even um, and to begin to start that journey. Um, and through those next uh, however many months to the end of the school year, I began to press the special education department and to look at testing and things for him. Um, and that also helped me help push me in the direction because they were like, well, if he's on the honor roll, don't worry about it. You know, but we're sitting at the table from whatever time in the evening till 10 o'clock at night for a third grader having to get up super early in the morning and the life was getting sucked out of him. So that was my push. <laughs> and I want to mention this for people that who don't know what tier two is in education. We use these phrases of tier one, tier two and tier three. Tier one is the regular general instruction that everyone gets. Tier two is when you add on some interventions for students. So what Natasha is saying is if I'm doing this extra work to help my child and these other children, I can just do the all the work at home. So uh, in education, we have all these like nicknames, these jargons and slogans. So I try as best as possible to break those down yes. uh, for our listeners. Uh, but when it comes to homeschooling, so uh, um. A while ago, I had interviewed um, Natalie Pipkin, who is um, behind the Black World Schoolers uh, mobile uh, bookstore. But before that, um, she was known as being this world schooler. So that's the word that she uses. She doesn't use homeschooling. And then some people use, mm -hmm. use the word unschooling. Um, both of you have used the term homeschooling. Uh, do you have a strong preference of homeschooling? What helped you guys or made you guys land on that term? And how do you feel about some of the other terms that are being thrown around um, in regards to what this is? 
Yeah, I'd say for me, um, homeschool, um, I kind of landed on that because it's more of a general term. Um, but I have aspirations to um, become world schoolers um, in the sense that I want to, once the children get up to an age, because now they are about, my oldest is about second grade. And, and then the boys, they're both um, kindergarten age level. They're uh, four and six. Um, and my, my, well, our goal is to, once they get a little more independent, um, to definitely travel with them, um, and be able to make the world their classroom. So, um, so I would say homeschool with the aspiration of becoming world schoolers is, is would, would more accurately describe us. Um, as it relates to unschooling, I know that term is definitely popular as well. Um, for me, I didn't have to really do a whole lot of unschooling um, with my daughter. Um, in some instances, there are things that she remembers about her preschool class that she likes. Like she just loves like the order of the desks. She loves the teacher's desk being in front and their desks, you know, being in that way. So there, there were sometimes I had to kind of deprogram her, so to speak, from that mindset. I'm like, we don't have to do that. Or she would tell her brothers like, hey, raise your hand if she asks a question. And I'm like, no, it's okay. Like it's us, you know? Um, so there, you know, just in those instances. Um, but beyond that, there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, I guess mindset shifts that had to um, be deprogrammed or um, trying to get her to see a different perspective as it relates to school. So unschooling didn't really apply um, to me. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I don't think I've too much really been asked that question. Um, I've kind of have had to think about it just because um, I'm also a homeschool coach. And so <clears throat> as I'm explaining to other parents, you know, there is a need for having some terms so that we have we know what we're talking about. But, um, you know, I always explain that every year is different. And so, you know, I just use the home just use the term homeschooling Um and I think that sometimes when we when we talk about unschooling, it's such a great like it's it's such a like there's there's no like definitive like what exactly does homeschooling look like you know because it, by definition you can't like bottle it and so um, I kind of stay straight you know I stay away from that term but technically now that I'm thinking about it technically this year he really is unschooling you know he's a senior he's looking at what things that he wants to do in the future. And, and, you know, those type of things um, are more important now. And so it's not necessarily so much about, you know, you need to do this history class or this, that, and the other. And so he has a lot of autonomy over what he's doing, like, you know, so much autonomy, like 90% of, of what he's doing this year. Um, so to answer your question, I stick with homeschooling. Um, I don't push the term of unschooling because it's hard to really explain to people what that is. Um, I just more so talk about, you know, it's kind of similar to when people talk about um, labeling a child um, and, and we're talking about homeschooling. You don't need necessarily a term to say that your child needs help in phonics or, you know, that type of thing. Let's just, whatever it is, let's just, you know, when I say like, we talk about dyslexia, well, it looks like it, let's just water it, give it fertilizer and sun and watch it grow. You know what I mean? So I think we kind of define our own, you know, definitions of what these terms mean. So that's kind of my perspective. 
So with homeschooling, can you guys talk about what a typical day looks like for your kids? And as you guys said, like, could you think about this? You think about a person's home. Everyone's homes are different. So innately, everyone's homeschooling experience would be innately different. Uh, so what does a typical day look like? What do your children do? Okay, well, I'll dive in with that one. <laughs> um, and it's funny because um, just as um, Natasha said, it's really different every year. Um, and I and I kind of chuckled at that um, because I can remember our first year, um, like I said, my oldest was in kindergarten and then my youngest were, um, you know, preschool because the youngest at the time when I started, he was only two, but he, he was of the mindset that he's not going to get left out. He wanted to be incorporated. And so, um, you know, those days look definitely, uh, were definitely different from they, you know, how they look now, but typically, um, now we pretty much start our day around nine 30 is the, um, is our, is our, uh, I would say our target time. Um, sometimes, you know, kids, they're, they're like adults, they wake up and they have their personalities. So sometimes, you know, it may be a little, a little shift in time, but typically around 930 is our start time. Um, we are um, a faith, a faith-based family. So we open up our homeschool with prayer and then we have a few songs that we've written. So we'll sing a worship song and they really engage with those because it gets them like moving and it in includes a lot of like physical activities and things like that, jumping and um, things of that nature. And also they kind of um, choose, they have instruments that they, that they play. And so they kind of incorporate those as well. So typically that's how we kind of open up. Um, and then I move into like our poetry time. So I, I select a book that we kind of just daily kind of read through poems. Um, the one that we are currently reading through is called Falling Up. So it's like a lot of little cute, silly type poems, but it really gets them kind of thinking and um, they kind of point out just the little things. And and I, I really like it because it, it really kind of sharpens, sharpens their um, you know, mental, mental skills there. Um, and once completing that, we kind of, um, my daughter is, um, she's, she's a very good independent, um, learner. So I have like a checklist that I created for her. And so she, um, goes through each of her subjects and she does her independent, um, practice or work with those particular subjects while I work, um, with the boys. Um, so, so we kind of go through their, you know, different subjects and, um, kind of go through those together. Um, and then I kind of give them a little bit of time to work on some things independently, whether it be um, workbooks or the building puzzles or um, them playing games together um, or doing some type of craft activity, you know, type thing um, while I work with my daughter. And I'll go over what she has already done in her independent with her independent work. Um, and then we kind of typically um, round it out with. Um, just our, well, I call them family subjects, where we'll do science together, social studies together, um, and we'll do art together. So I kind of rotate those things throughout the week. So we don't do those every day, but I kind of rotate those. Um, and then we pretty much wrap things up um, around 1230-ish for lunch. We have lunch. And then um, if there's something that I may need to work a little more with with my daughter, then after lunch, she and I will work together. And if not, um, then typically they'll 
they have some like independent things that they can do, um, whether it be um, like games like chess or um, bingo, really more so for the boys because it really kind of helps them, you know, identify their numbers and so forth. Um, and then also I have some things where they um, work on like Spanish. Um, they do those pretty much after lunch where they'll kind of go through a um, Spanish lessons where they work on those. We did have a Spanish tutor that came that was coming in once a week working with them, but um, it was a conflict of schedule with her. So, um, so, so we, we had to, we lost that. So now I, like I said, I just kind of moved to a digital version and have them um, work it out that way. And then um, I do read alouds with them once that time period is over. So I just kind of read books that we have gotten from the library on a particular subject that um, interests them. And, um, and we pretty much read through those. And then we have one book that we tried is more of a, um, a longer book, but we pretty much designate it and we read it over the entirety of the month. So um, currently we are reading um, the, the youth version of um, Hidden Figures. So um, they are they are really enjoying that and they are they are becoming, um, you know, it's, it's funny how they kind of react to some things that they hear in the book and they're like, wow, that happened. And, you know, wow, they did that and, you know, type thing. So I really like um, exposing them to things, um, you know, because we haven't really gotten into um, uh, really studying a lot of history yet. I kind of tell them things here and there, but uh, as far as like a formal curriculum, we haven't really gotten into that yet. But I kind of, um, I'm glad that we are kind of reading those books that kind of sprinkle some of those things in that we'll, you know, get into more in-depthly um, later on in their, um, in their studies. So that's a typical homeschool day for us. And that's why I wanted you to go first. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I have one learner um, who, you know, when I look back, like I thought like, you know, being a, a, you know, a new parent where you haven't gone through all the years yet. And it's like, okay, well, I've got good till 13 till they start like really pulling away. No, like that started at like 11, you know? And so, you know, these phases are come have come quicker than I would have expected. I know every student, you know, every child is different, but um, very much he's very very independent this year. And so my focus is more about his future, you know, his future in, in navigating the world and taking care of himself. That's been more of my focus this year and looking at his, his goals, his aspirations as a performing artist. Um, so there's been, you know, so like he's getting ready to start piano, he's getting ready to start some more voice lessons um, this week. And, you know, he's taken acting classes the first half of the semester. He's um, helping with, uh, with the, with the, um, so he's part of a co-op. That, that was a major part of his classes throughout um, middle school and, and up. And so he's very much connected to that community. And so though he's not taking classes there this second semester, he's actually like helping with the theater production. So that's like, it's not a typical, it's not a class, but it's something that's part of his, his, his weekly routine and, and everything and that he's responsible for. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the things that I'm doing is more, the life skills, um, you know, so it's like, it, it's not where it's like necessarily a class where we're sitting down and I'm teaching you a lesson. This is different because it's like, I'm always trying to teach a lesson, you know, how to navigate. We're talking about finances and, you know, different things that may come up in my life as an adult that I have to handle kind of pulling him in and, 
um, having him learn um, us beside me, um, looking at, you know, dealing with um, credit and things like that. And those are some of the classes he's taken before, but this is now like more, um, you know, where it's real life. It's not just like you're talking about, it. it's like now you're seeing these things applied to real life. Um, and so, you know, I, you know, so I'm thinking about college and it's like, okay, well, okay, it's 1230 and you couldn't even make it to student. And he's on student council at the co-op and like, okay, you missed the student council meeting. So it's like, you know, so teaching them how to be more responsible with his time and manage, the, you know, and, and so there, there's, there aren't any, well, currently he doesn't have any formal classes other than being a part of the theater production and then the performing arts, uh, that he's going to be having in a couple um, well, this week, but also we've had a transition personally as a family where I was sharing with you, we all ju we just moved. And so there's a lot of transition with that that requires real life. You know, we need to divert time to getting our house in order and um, me being a single parent, like I need him to do a lot more things that he normally wouldn't have to be responsible for if there was a man in the house. So I need you to move boxes around. I need you to put this table together. And so, you know, a lot of what he's doing is just real life um, um, and, you know, taking me different places and things like that. So um, this year is so, so different than all the other years. But um um, and then looking at, you know, when we're looking at um, ELA or looking at uh, writing English, it's OK, you need to apply for these different. You need to research scholarships and you need to you know write these um, scholarships and these essays. So that's his English this year. Um, and then the other piece is we we are a faith based family also. And that has been important to incorporate that in ways. But this year, actually spending more time reading the Bible because the subjects aren't as important this year. Um, he's he, he already had enough credits to graduate. But, um, you know, the math is now just real world math and um, that type of thing. So that's kind of <laughs> nutshell. Well, I appreciate that, Natasha. You have an older kid, and in Lavanda, your kids are younger because it gives people an idea of what it looks like. Because as kids get older, my uh, identical twin sons, they are uh, 12. And I have realized, kind of like Natasha says, like they have all these opinions. They kind of want to do these things. I'm like, you never had an interest before, like yesterday in this. Are you going to do this now? I'm like, Okay, and now we want to. We're, cause my boys are playing instruments. I didn't really realize they were interested in doing into the school year, and so now it's like, okay, we got to get the music, we got to practice. There's all these other things that weren't a part of my life that now has changed our family schedule. So I appreciate you guys both saying that even when you're doing homeschooling, it's not going to look the same from year to year. Natasha, you mentioned that you are also a homeschooling coach. So can you talk mm -hmm. to us a little bit? Because the next thing I kind of want to talk about is for other people that are just thinking about like, I want to do this, but I don't know how to get started. I'm assuming that your work with coaching helps with that. So right. I'm going to start with you because you do uh, do coaching. Uh, how, what does your coaching look like? What are common things that you have to help parents uh, parents with when it comes to like, I, I think I'm going to dip my toes in the water. I think I'm going to try this. Mm -hmm. um, so I love coaching. You know, my son's graduating, but I'm not. <laughs> so um the first thing that I want to say and um, is that when I'm working with a new family, my first thing is is basically helping them understand what is required. So once we can get, you know, that 
foundation established so you know legally what's required, then we can branch out from there. Um, and so we start with that. But my biggest goal initially is to instill the confidence in them and to um, let them know that I can relate to how it feels to starting this journey and how scary it can feel and how we can feel like, oh, I'm going to gonna um, mess up my child. Like I've heard that phrase literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's my big push just to show them all these different things. Like, you know, there's these resources and this and that, and not to like help them figure it all out the first day, but to open um, their mind and the possibilities of there's the, there's just a world of possibilities of what this can look like, like to instill that confidence in them that there is support, there is help. There's people who understand how they're thinking and how they feel. Um, and then by the second, you know, I try to leave them with something tangible because a lot of new um, homeschooling families is like, but where do, what do I do? What do I, like, what do I use? Like, you know, it's, it's like free falling almost. And um, so I try to give them something tangible so they can feel a little bit more secure to say, okay, here's something. But more so, oftentimes there's things that they already have that they don't realize. And so I try to point out, like, you have an idea, like the way your children learn and they may not realize that they have this information, but when I bring, you know, bring it to their attention and say, okay, well, you know, this, and you pointed out this, this is what this means. And, you know, like you, they have parents have insight about their, about their children, not realizing that that can translate to the homeschooling arena, which is really, you know, they're, they're already teaching them. Every day, they're already teaching them things, and so you know, I try to instill that passion, that 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 enthusiasm, that confidence. Um, and I, I think am I answering your question? <laughs> no, no, that's exactly what I wanted to know. And Lavanda and, and Natasha, you guys are in two different states, and I think that's important for everyone to know. Um, Natasha, can you share with us what state you're in? Yes, I'm in Michigan. You're in Michigan, and Lavanda's in Indiana. So, can you tell us about some of like the regulations around homeschooling in Michigan that may be important for people to know? Yes, I'm. I don't know all offhand, but it seems like Indiana is somewhat liberal. Maybe I know Illinois might be a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. (laughs) So we're 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 very much that way, which is which is awesome. Um, because it's you know they're looking at like the basics of like the different subjects is. I mean, ultimately, if you sum them up, it's like ELA, math, science, social studies. Like if you just want to, you know, sum it up real, real briefly, that that's really what's required. There's no reporting. There's no testing. There's no, you know, it's just like make sure you cover these areas and you're good, you know. But there are some laws like if you want to be a non-public, if you want to register as a non-public school, um, they kind of summarize the areas a little bit differently. But ultimately, it ends up being all, you know, almost the same. And then they, they say that the high schoolers 10 and up need to have like civics dealing with, um, you know, more intricate information about that. But um, outside of that, if you register as a non-public homeschool, then you can access more services in the public school. Um, and then, you know, that's where the special education advocacy piece comes in. It's like, OK, well, can you get those things through your own health insurance? Like, do you really need to? You know, do you really need to go that route? Because you're really going to get the minimum anyway, because there's no laws that protect you in regards to that. So um, that's kind of a quick overview. (laughs) No, that's important to know. And I would say Indiana, we're even looser than that. Um, There's Mm -hmm. really no checking. 
Um, people are not necessarily required to register. There's not really much guidance here. The one thing that does trip up kids here in Indiana that most people don't know about until it happens, if you don't report that you're homeschooling, they can interfere with your child getting their license. And the reason that kind of came about in Indiana was because some schools were inflating their high school graduation numbers. So they were, so essentially what was happening, if a kid wasn't on track to graduate, they would just say, oh, that kid is homeschooling oh. and then remove them for the numbers. And so now they are trying to kind of force at least once they get to high school to say, hey, you need to say if you're homeschooling or not. So schools can't remove the kid and say the kid is homeschooling because they want to inflate their graduation numbers. But other than that, in Indiana, it is real loose. Mm -hmm. um, but I also tell parents, even if your state has really loose regulations, you still want to do right by your child. You still want to make sure your child has all the things that uh, he or she needs to be successful in life. And, I, and, I, and and there is a pro to being loose because you do get some freedoms. Um, I know other states can be very, very constrictive in what you can do, and that may change how much parents want to homeschool. So I just wanted to, to, to note that um, they both were from two different states because it's important if you are going to homeschool that you need to find out what the law says in your state. Do you have to report? Do you have to share what curriculum you're using, what materials you're using? Depending on the state, there may be more requirements. Um, but for Michigan and Indiana, the requirements are not uh, uh, that cumbersome. Um, you can essentially, you know, do the basics and you will be fine. Lavanda, um, what, uh, what advice do you have for parents who are saying, you know, they may see you homeschooling. They're like, I think I would have tried this. Like what, what have you said to people who have asked you about this? Like what tips do you have? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Actually. Um, I'm in the process of building out a blog specifically for, um, you know, homeschool moms um, to just really, as um, Natasha had mentioned to really first encourage them to say, Hey, if this is something that you're considering. You can do it. Um, and really just to give them the confidence to say, OK, you know what, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It doesn't have to be something that, um, you know, you, you, you become anxious over and so forth. But it really is what, you know, you're you building you are building up your child, you know, to become who they're going to become and no better person to do that, you know, than yourself. So I, I say to, you know, moms or parents who come and ask, like, how did you even, you know, how do you even undertake that? Like that just seems so, you know, you know, so overwhelming. And, and especially since you're um, homeschooling more than one child. Um, but for me, I think the main thing for me is I from the from the start, I established a schedule, you know, for us. Not so much to just have so much rigidity because um, I I wanted it to be something that was, you know, just organic and it just really flows. But having a schedule just kind of really sets the expectations. Um, so if something come up, um, my children aren't just like all over the place. Like they already know, hey, we're accustomed to doing this. And then we usually flow into this and we do that. So they just kind of have an expectation. And I think children, um, you know, when they have certain boundaries, they really, um, in a way, they kind of welcome that because it really just gives them a good structure. And so um, I, that would be my main tip is to, um, you know, just set a, a, a particular structure that works for your family. As we said in the onset, every homeschool is different because every home is different. So what works best for your family? Um, because I 
connect with a, um, a group of homeschool moms that we all kind of started off here in Indiana together, but half of them have relocated to, uh, to other states. Um, but we still, you know, keep in contact with each other and, you know, we'll discuss like, you know, how our, each of our homeschools are, are framed out. And I mean, each and every one of our homeschools are, you know, it's totally different um, because, you know, again, the dynamics of the home are different. So just being confident in um, establishing your homeschool based on how your family's culture is, as I think is key and it's essential. Some, you know, like me, I like to do it in the morning so that we can just kind of get that done and, you know, have the rest of our day to be flexible and do so forth. I talk to other moms that are like, no, we don't start homeschooling until after lunchtime, you know, because that's what works best for their family. I had one lady I met and she said, no, her child works best late in the afternoon, like around dinner time. So she said they, you know, her, that's just the, the way her child's, you know, I guess like all of the, the, the things that go into how her, her daughter functions, that's when this optimal for her. So I think that just really um, honing in on what you notice about your children and how that goes into your family structure is really is, is, is really key. So I say, yes, you can. And then again, just look at it for how it works well with your family would be key. Do you all feel that your children may be missing out on something from not going into the traditional school setting? Well, I, I got, I, I'm like bursting to say this because around middle school, high school, my son was like, I want lockers. <laughs> So that was, I think that was middle school. Like, yeah, because, yeah, that's when you start switching classes. Like, he wanted lockers. I mean, he got over that. But then in high school, there was a time that he had to go, he had an opportunity to go to a prestigious uh, high school uh, that his father was working at. And I said completely no, because, again, I am faith-based and I just, you know, it was just different. And so I said, you know what? We're going to, we'll see what happens. So we got all through all the steps up to the door, had paid the $1,500, res- you know, whatever. And um, they changed their financial aid because of the pandemic. And so that last final door, he had a schedule and everything. And so then I knew like, okay, that wasn't, that's not what's supposed to happen. And I can continue doing what I think, what I thought and think is best anyway. And it's the best thing that, that happened. So the answer to that question is no. I think he would have missed out had he been bogged down with finals and, you know, all these history classes and all this, you know, that didn't even necessarily tell his history, another subject, but um, you know, all of that, his senior year, not being able to just be free to focus on who he was. Well, I think that leads me into the next thing, because if you look at the research, the people who are now tracking this, Black homeschooling has been increasing and then the pandemic happened and it made it kind of boom even more. And so what do you feel is unique about homes? Because when you think about homeschooling, if you Google homeschooling, what typically comes up are white people a lot of time. Uh, And a lot of times it's people who have very specific viewpoints about what they feel is not happening in the school when it comes to morals and upbringing. But many times when it comes to black homeschooling, even if there is a religious component, there's a little bit more that we're looking for than just the morals and upbringing. So what, what you guys have mentioned culture, you, you just, Natasha, you mentioned history. What are some things that you feel like your children are getting more value with because they're learning at home and they're learning with you? 
Um, I'll jump in. Um, I can remember specifically um, when our daughter had finished, uh, well, she was she was um, about to finish preschool and they were already having the open house at her school to tour, you know, the kindergarten. So I remember touring and, you know, talking with her prospective teacher and was kind of just getting a feel of what to expect, you know, as it relates to kindergarten and so forth. And one thing that she mentioned to me, and I almost cringed, I was like, I'm sorry, what? I mean, and she said, yes, we test every single Friday. And I thought, in kindergarten? <laughs> and it took me back. And I remember, like, I mean, she mentioned all of the other things that they would be doing, but I'll be honest, that was like my only takeaway. And I just thought, um, definitely not that I didn't think that she would be capable um, because she really, she loves school. She loves to learn. But that component just really stood out to me. And I thought like, wow, like I don't want her kindergarten year to be revolved around like testing like every week. And um, before, before I became um, a stay at home mom, um, prior to me getting married and relocating here, I was, um, I was a scientist. And then, so when I, uh, when I relocated here, I taught for two years at a private Christian school. And I think it was divinely designed for me to do that because I got kind of like a behind the scenes look, so to speak, at the educational system and how it had, you know, changed so much from when I was in school. Um, a, I did not remember taking tests, you know, week after week after week in kindergarten. And, um, and the two years that I taught, I remember how much emphasis was placed on these children testing. And it was just, I was just so shocked. And, um, and I remember kind of thinking along those lines, like, wow, I did not know that the education system had changed, like, you know, um, so drastically. Um, and it kind of stuck in the back of my mind, like, oh, I don't know if I would want my kids to, like, have this be their framework for school. I want them to learn because they love to learn, not because they're trying to compete against so-and-so sitting beside them with a test score or worse yet be identified by their test score. Because it could just be that they're having a bad day. It could be that, um, you know, something happened and they just don't have their concentration on, you know, the material and they could be labeled as being somebody that they're really not. So, um, I just didn't want that to be um, their educational experience. So that's one of the things that really um, kind of repelled me from saying, uh, plopping them in a traditional school setting. <laughs> um, and then secondly, I like I think I mentioned before, I really want like the world to be their classroom um, because that's ultimately where they're going to live. They're only in these classrooms for a, sm a small fraction of their life, you know, if they live to be, uh, you know, three score and 10 or however long you know, the Lord allows them to live. Um, but so they're going to have to know how to function in these different environments. So um, kind of, I guess, to piggyback a little bit off the previous question, the way we, um, when we, when you're asking about our typical day, so kind of Monday through Thursday, we kind of do like the formal, you know, kind of learning and so forth, you know, with, with curriculum and so forth. But on Fridays, I, I deem it fun Friday, but it's really, really where we go out 
and we uh, explore different things all around the city. Like every every week, we go someplace different, whether it be a nature center, whether it be um, the museum, whether we be go we go to a park and do some type of nature study. I mean, it's it's something different every week. Um, and also just to get them accustomed to just engaging with others. Like they have conversations with adults all the time. Like we'll just engage them and things like that. So I um, am very intentional about making sure that I provide those opportunities for them because again, I, I want them to be confident in who they are. I want them to know how to communicate effectively, you know, whether it be their peer or an adult. So um, I think that these things are some of the things that necessarily, um, you know, they wouldn't get if they were in a traditional classroom because they would have to be, you know, confined to the, the schedule, you know, of the day, but us having the flexibility to be able to go out and have them engage and so forth in, you know, different um, facets of society just allows them to be more, you know, well-rounded. So I don't necessarily feel like they're missing out on things because um, they have opportunities that allow them to, you know, engage in these other things as, as, as well. So. Now, you did mention the word assessment, and I think this is a question that people have that keep their kids in, they're not homeschooling, right? How do you know that your kids are doing well? Uh, because in the school setting, you know, I've been a teacher for a while, and now I work with teachers in schools. Uh, that's the quote unquote, as you said, measure of success. Now, any good teacher will tell you that they know how their kids are doing, how their students are doing outside of the test. And if a teacher only says that, I, that's red flags to me, right? There should be other measures to know if a child is having success. So how do you guys measure success? How do you know that your kids are on track? And when they get to that place where it's like, you know, I'm about to leave the nest, I'm about to be out on my own. How do you know that you can kind of let the reins go and they can be successful in the world? Because I do think that's like a big question that people have. And, you know, kids are at home, like how, how do they know? Um, well, I, I'll go ahead and start with that. Um, well, I, I'm going to start with the last thing you said. If <laughs> kids are at home, how do you know? Homeschoolers, just as Lavana just explained, aren't that typical idea of they're at home. Like they're in the community more than the traditional student is because they're not in you know, so much of a classroom. So they are being out in the community, be learning, you know, like I explained earlier, learning real world, world things, even way before, you know, the senior year. Um, and just uh, how she talked about being able to interact with the adults and, you know, their, their peers and adults. Um, oftentimes it's more so, you know, maybe they're learning how to deal with their peers in a traditional setting. You know, they're learning um, character building things and like what's the character of the week or the month or whatever. But our students, our learners, our children are learning how to navigate people in the world, you know, you know, and my son's not a world schooler, but it is, it's the same difference. Um, and so with, how do we know, first of all, we decide, depending on how you, you know, you know, how you do you homeschool, how much of the input that the student is having, but collectively together, we decide what it is that they need to know. You know, when we talk about the students, the, the learners' interests, you know, well, you know, her student wants, wanted, you know, your your learner wanted to know about how to play certain instruments or things like that, and um, just like you said, like anecdotal, an anecdotal type of things, like observations and um, building on skills that they already have. Um, and there are sometimes, you know, little assessments and things. It doesn't have to be a standardized 
test that everyone across the board is taking. It could be other smaller types of assessments and tests. It could be you just doing a verbal quiz or they may need to act out what they just learned in that story. Or, you know, you really said you really said it like there are all these other ways that you can see that they're learning. And sometimes if we want to say like, for math, like we want to know what skills do they actually have that we might need to fill in some gaps. And you may do an online assessment or something like that, or the curriculum may have something that helps you see where they're at. So you can start there and build from there and that'll help fill in the gaps. So we're, we're, we're looking at a variety of different ways and tools to see where our, our learner is at. And so as far as for, for my son in this year, it's like, there's certain things that I want him to learn. Um, some things I have to be a little take my hands off a little bit. Like I'd like to have to see him barbecue. Like I want to see you like, you know, I'm not going to literally give him a test, but in my mind, I would like to like see that skill, but he was in scouts for like four years. So he's like, he's built the fire pits in the earth and like, he's done stuff, you know, with these different experiences that I don't even fully know everything that he's learned, even being in my home school. So, um, you know, I have used for some other learners and for some other families, share with them some online tools that they can use. Um, and then also, we've also done like neuropsych evaluations that, you know, that's a standardized test where it looks at your um, achievement, what, what, what you've retained as far as grade levels. Um, and so, but they also gather anecdotal things and they look at observation and look at your attention and different things like that. So for me personally, because mental health, um, because I am a wellness coach, I like to look at the whole individual, not just the education piece, but the mental health piece and spiritual, all of that together. So, yeah, I'll stop with that. <laughs> you mentioned some online resources. Are there a couple that you could name that you've directed people to? Yeah, well, um, Varsity Tutors is one because it's free. <laughs> Those are the ones I typically would recommend is like something free. So Varsity Tutors has like a skill a skills assessment and it you know, based on their standards, wherever they got these standards from, of critical skills that they think different learners should have, um, you know, able, being able to do by a certain grade level. So you can sign your learner up and have them do the different skills level in science, math, or ELA, um, or all of the above. And it'll show you the different critical skills that they struggled on. And then from there, they can do some other practice, um, you know, sessions with those critical skills, or you can take that information and build out your own thing, or, you know, you can use it however you want to, but it's something that's quick, easy, free, um, as long as they're not too young and they're just bored to death because there's no, no cartoons or, you know, things popping up or, you know, music and stuff like that. But, you know, and, and there's Khan Academy, but more so really varsity tutors is that skill you know, is looking at those critical skills. And that's something that I can give people and say, like here today, your first year of homeschool, your first day of homeschooling, you can take this and begin to just look a little bit deeper and um, not feel like it's it's like a educational Bible where they have to do this. But if this is important and you think it's important, then you'll know that they don't do as well in these different areas. And I have um, for for mine, because, the, you know, like they are they are. Um, you know, younger. Um, I, I do incorporate some, um, I guess you would say more or less like online type, um, you know, skill learn, not skill learning, but um, it's more, it's, it's within the, the um, I guess, like state standards type um, um, learning. Um, it's called um, IXL. 
So I have them engage with that um, almost daily. Um, well, they're do they will do lessons, um, you know, in a couple of their subjects, and I just do that just to make sure that they um, have what it takes if if it ever comes about that they'll have to take um, like a standardized test, um, you know, in the future that they'll be kind of familiar with um, how questions are are typically framed and um, just kind of give them. Um, you know, some experience with, with testing, you know, within those types of, um, those, those types of framed um, questions. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of like what I use um, because it, it definitely, like I said, incorporates all the state standards. So I'll make sure that, Hey, okay, we're at least checking those boxes um, to have those, you know, bases covered um, so to speak. And then it kind of also kind of gives me a gauge to say, okay, Hey, um, they've mastered this or, okay, we should spend a little bit of time on this, you know, type thing. So I do kind of like that. Um, um, like I said, they, they spend maybe 20 minutes on that, you know, so it's not something that they they do a, you know a lot of although sometimes they they really like it like it'll be on the weekend they'll can i do ixl and i'm like okay <laughs> um but yeah but i did recently look into um you know again i just kind of in the back of my mind since our state standards are so loose i mean um homes homeschool um criteria is so loose in the back of my mind, I'm just like, okay, I just want to make sure should, should anything happen, I will kind of have my bases extra covered. <laughs> so I did look into, um, you know, some options of like some standardized tests, official standardized um, testing that I could give them just so that I could, um, you know, have these like benchmark tests and then, um, you know, also test them at the end of the year just to see what their progression is like. Um, so I'll just have it for my records in case I would need to produce that for any reason, you know, in the future. So um, I just recently looked looked into that. So I'm I'm looking to maybe incorporate that on a yearly basis for us as well. So one thing I, I would Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. One thing I want you know that you saying that made me think about and thinking from a coaching standpoint, um, you know, a lot of homeschoolers don't want to do the standardized testing, but some still some still do. The the one thing that I would um, caution them is that like that false negative um, where the schools are often teaching to the test. So they're expecting them to have all this information. But if you're using certain homeschool curriculum that is not common core aligned or um, and I think maybe that's across, you know, the states, but, you know, where it's not aligned, where they may have all of this knowledge and but they may have gone a different route and like they spent more time this year on something else in math, you know, like there's certain curriculum, like when they just did all fractions one year or something, mm -hmm. and then the next year they're going to do, you know, whatever. And so you'll get there, but the route you go is just a little bit different. And so mm -hmm. not to let it scare you, like it's like, it's a false negative where yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they aren't learning, you know, but um, that's just, you know, I was just, I was just thinking about that, but um, my son also did the, did practice test at home, not formally, like with any group or anything, but we did practice tests for the PSAT, the um, mm -hmm. PSA, you know, and the practice ACT. And I used that to see where he was inclined to do better just naturally. So then we spent time dealing with whatever particular, well, it was the, the SAT that he was inclined to do better. No, it was ACT. So we just focused on that instead of going so broad. Um, because he did want, he was college bound. So of course we know we have to go, 
well, we don't have to, especially since the pandemic, but you know, it opens up more options to be able to have that testing done. Mm -hmm. So we use that. No, too. and I appreciate that add-on, uh, Natasha, because as you like right now in Indiana, um, it's iLearn. So that's our standardized testing, and it's what kids are doing right now. So my kids are testing for three hours in the morning. They get their little movement break, then they have shortened classes. They're doing track right now. And by the time they get home, I know they're going to be exhausted and wiped out. And I would know as a teacher, it was not fun walking around and monitoring all the kids. But to your point, there comes that time where as a teacher, you are you feel like you're forced to teach to the test. You feel like your job is tied to that. So if you because like with I learn, right, teachers can go online and get like free test questions, right, or released from the state. And sometimes people pull those down and use those and then you're teaching to that. And so if you're homeschooling and you pull that down, it's like, well, you may not have taught to that. So like you say, you may get this false result and say, oh, my kids are behind. It's like, no, you didn't actually teach to the test. You're doing this other thing. But the other thing I wanted to let people know about IXL, IXL, I forget how many minutes it is, but you get like free questions every single day. Um, that your kid can do. And then you also can pay to have the subscription because I had an IXL subscription for my kids uh, just like, because I always felt because I was a teacher, I'm like, oh, I want to work on this other stuff at, at home. So I had a subscription for a while. And then when they went to school, it's like, oh, school has that. So we're not going to pay for this no anymore because you got a free little account um, at, at school. But in IXL and to a lot of things that parents are using, you get results like instantly and like how your kids are doing. Um, so I just wanted to throw that assessment piece out there because I know when you're trying to demystify topics or things that people aren't in, people have these questions like, well, how, how are the kids learning? How do they know? Um, so I want you guys to really talk about that because people have those, those wonderings or like you said, Natasha, like, what should I do? Like, how should I measure growth? How do I measure like the whole child, the individual child, the different subject areas? So I think that's super important. So we are coming to a close and I want to end on this note. Could you each share one win that you really feel has happened for your child because your child is being homeschooled? You can start, how many, Natasha. Well, how many wins do you have to say? <laughs> Um, okay, so one win was him having opportun more opportunity to discover who he is separately from so much of the peer group. Um, and I want to kind of, but he still did have peers. He still did have a peer group, but that pressure, um, it was more looked at as it's okay to be an individual. We're all individuals. And I think that helped um, to not align your identity with someone else, but to help tap into who you are individually and then having the opportunity to um, nurture that, uh, for me to nurture that during the homeschooling process. So, ah, let's see a win. For whatever reason, um, before I started homeschooling, I remember thinking when I was in the, you know, in the period of thinking like, am I going to homeschool him or not, you know, kind of thing. I remember thinking the one thing that, um, I guess kind of, I struggled with, um, and it was more so believing in myself that I could do it was teaching my boys how to read. So my daughter, she was in preschool, of course, like I said, she, you know, so she attended a private school 
And um, so she had, she, when, when, when I started homeschooling, she was already um, a reader. So I was thinking like, I have these two boys <laughs> that I have to start from ground zero to teach them how to read. And I was like, maybe they should just go to school for, you know, preschool and kindergarten. And then I'll bring them back on, you know, after, after they learn how to read, because I can't see myself teach them how to read. <laughs> um, but it literally, um, I was like, it was maybe a couple of weeks ago and they were all downstairs and I have a book basket that I keep downstairs where we keep all of the, when we go to the library, we check out all these books and I just keep them in there so that it's easily accessible for them. Um, when, whenever we are downstairs, um, and they were all on their separate places, you know, in the front room, they were on the couch and they each, I mean, with, you know, they just grabbed a book, you know, without being told they just all grab, grabbed a book and they were on the couch and they were all, you know, just reading their own little separate books. And I just thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> <You did. laughs> I kind of did it. <laughs> So, um, so that just really made me smile because I remember when I first started homeschooling, I would read, you know, about, um, you know, different moms saying, oh yeah, you know, my, all, all of my kids are avid readers. They just love to read. And I just thought like, how do they make that happen? Like, uh, you know, how does that happen? But, um, but I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm one of those moms. So, um, so that, that was a win-win for me. That would, that really, um, you know, this was, it was really encouraging me or encouraging to me. Um, and to, to just think I gave them a lifelong skill, you know, um, to be able to, to, um, to say that, um, it, you know, all of those things that, um, the efforts that was put into shaping them to become, you know, readers, um, was, was possible, you know, because they were homeschooled. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. So, yeah. Oh, those, both of you guys, those are some really good wins there. Um, and I and I wanted to end on those wins because I think sometimes like you guys, you guys have honed on, on this a lot. Like it's that self-confidence. Like I can do this. My kids can become successful people um, because I have homeschooled them. And I, and I want people to hear like you can because you think like teaching kids how to read is some mystical thing. And then you sit down like, oh, like it can be challenging. <laughs> But it's like, oh, they're they're doing it. They they can do it. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes in the back of my mind, I wonder how many more black children would be reading if they learned to read at home. And that probably oh, is another topic uh, <laughs> for another time. Yeah. But, but I, I wonder about that because when I was a middle school English teacher, I'm like, oh, you're learning how to read from me. Like what happened before you got here to middle school mm -hmm. English? Yeah. Um, so those are some of the things I think I about. But as I said, audience, this is just the beginning of this conversation because I have other guests lined up to continue this conversation. But Natasha and Lavanda, you have been wonderful guests that you guys have shed some light. And, and I really appreciate we had like the younger like homeschool life, <laughs> older homeschool life and what it looks like. Uh, and you guys are in two different states, two different homes. I, like you guys mm -hmm. said, our homes are unique. So the homeschooling experience is unique. And as both of you said, like homeschool is not just your home. It's it's the world. It's your state. It's your street. It's everywhere. Uh, so I really thank you all for being here uh, uh, tonight. Um, and for t and sharing your your journey with us. And, you know, we talk to you next year, you might have a different story because you said every year is different. So uh, we would love to have you back to hear, hear an update. So uh, thanks so much. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Yes. And like you, you, you re-sparked like 
<laughs> the excitement, the passion, like to talk about it. So thank you for yes. that. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely.